0: First of all, just before we get started, just so I have a little idea, how many of you were in the session for planning your garden that we did yesterday? Okay, okay, so we, we have a few. It looks like the majority of you were not. Um, so there is going to be some overlap because, you know, planning your, planning your garden period and planning your first garden, you know, there is a little bit of overlap there uh, as far as the process and, and doing it. So, But I I will be pulling up our garden planning worksheet. We've got a a worksheet that makes planning your garden a lot easier. And we're going to have a lot of fun going through it together. So this is fun. How many of you, this is like literally going to be your first garden that you're going to plan? All right. Good. Awesome. Okay. So that just helps me get to know you guys a little bit better and and where you're at. Fantastic. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull up our slides. Planning your first garden. So, where I want to start out is, first of all, to give a kind of a big picture look at gardening. What is encompassed in gardening? And the way that we break it down is into what I call our gardening game plan. And basically, this is just a simple way to break down the stages of the garden so that it doesn't seem so complex or overwhelming, right? It's Gardening is actually fairly simple. Um, so we break it down into four stages. You guys can see it? Everyone see? Okay. So we break it down into four sections. Um, the first one I call ignition. The second is launch. The third is grow. And the fourth is extend. And so we're going to go through these just very quickly. These are not so much like the nuts and bolts of planning your garden, but it's just to give you a big picture overview of what are the stages of gardening. And then uh, when it comes to planning your garden and doing other things in your garden, you can kind of have an idea, well, this fits in this area. Um, So ignition, and you can think of this kind of like a rocket taking off, right? Right. So when the rocket is getting ready to launch, the, one of the first things it needs to do is ignite, right? So you have that ignition stage of gardening, and that includes planning your garden, which is what we're going to talk about here this morning. Uh, and that includes choosing what to grow, choosing where to grow it, soil testing, or ordering soil amendments, ordering seeds. It's kind of those those first steps before you actually plant those seeds in the ground and get things going. This is your ignition phase. And we're going to be talking specifically about like, choosing what to grow, choosing where to grow it, and the timing of, of when to, to grow things. So our session this morning is going to be primarily focused on this ignition stage. But I want to give you just the overview picture of the whole thing before we jump into those. The second stage is launch. And this is where you are preparing your garden beds. You're getting ready to plant those plants. You might be amending your soil or putting on mulches or getting that space ready for those plants to go in. That's when you're seeding your garden, starting your plants, transplanting them out into the garden, uh, composting. Uh, Now, composting is something, uh, obviously, that you can be doing on a continual basis all the way through, but we just throw it in here in the launch section. Grow is as those plants are growing, right? Right. As they are growing, you're going to be watering them, weeding them, trellising them. Uh, You're dealing with pest control, if you have any pest problems, disease control. How do you do that in a natural way? Harvesting, storing your veggies. Unfortunately, we don't have time just in one session to go through all of these together. Like I said, we're going to be focused on planting your garden. But this is kind of the, the growing phase of those plants as they're growing up. And then extend is kind of like when your rocket reaches like space, right? And it starts circling the earth. How can you extend your season? Um, timing for winter gardening, protecting your veggies, growing in the winter, and etc. You can actually extend your season earlier in the spring or later in the fall or grow through the winter. So, so this is just, to, uh, like I said, this is what we call our Born to Grow game plan. And I am going to give you all a, let me see if I can get this to show up. So I am going to give you all this mind map here. I'm going to give you a a link. Um, It's borntogrow.net forward slash adagra, A-D-A-G-R-A, forward slash adagra. And this is a mind map that basically just drills into each of these four sections. Um, So you have the ignition section, and it talks about everything that's kind of encompassed in that phase of the garden. Then you have grow and the things that are encompassed in that phase of the garden. There's some cool things in here like we have include some of our favorite seed companies, some of our favorite gardening tools and stuff all in this mind map. So that is a, an extra resource that you all can download and uh, look through and hopefully it can just be a little blessing as give us somewhat of a framework for your garden. Does that make sense you guys tracking? All right, fantastic. All right, so without following, without much further ado, by the way, one of the reasons why I want to give you that framework is following a system or following a game plan for your garden can really be a key to a success in your garden, especially if you're a first-time gardener. Otherwise, you can, it can be easy to get overwhelmed and, and be trying to figure out, what should I be doing? When should I be doing it? What, you know, what, what do I need to be focusing on at this stage in my garden? Um, so that's something that hopefully will be a little bit helpful. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about planning your garden. So, in this session, like I said, we are going to specifically be focusing on that ignition phase and specifically on planning your garden. So, we're going to cover three parts here together. The first part is what to grow. And that is choosing what you're going to grow in the garden. And we'll cover that in a little bit more detail. Part two is... Where are you going to grow it? How do you map out your garden space and figure out where the different crops are going to grow? And then part three is when are you going to grow it? That includes creating your planting calendar and what we have kind of coined as our perpetual harvest hack. How many of you would like a continual harvest out of your garden where every single week you could go out and you could pick something fresh and put it on your table? Does that sound fun? Does that sound complex? Well, I'll I'll tell you, it can be complex, but we have what we call our perpetual harvest hack that makes it a lot simpler. Um, Oftentimes, what happens with gardens, I feel like, is people get really excited in the spring, and they plant their garden, and then they get a bunch of harvest, like maybe early to mid-summer, and then they kind of forget their garden, you know, it goes to weeds and and then, you know, it's just kind of a one-stop shop. It, it happens one time a year. You plant it, you harvest it, and then the rest of the year, you know, you're not doing anything. But what if you could make gardening a part of your lifestyle where it didn't take a whole lot of time each day or each week, but, you know, every little bit you're planting some new seeds that go out in your garden and down the road, those are creating a continual flow of fresh produce into your house. Uh, nutrient-dense produce that is boosting your health of yourself and your family. And it would be even really cool if you could share it with your neighbors, right? Um, With other people as well. So, let's talk about part one, choosing what to grow. Choosing what to grow. So, this is what we consider, we call this our three-step formula for planting a garden. And this is basically the first step, is choosing what you're going to grow in your garden. And literally, we encourage you to just sit down. It might seem like a very simple task, but sit down and make a list of what you would like to grow in your garden. Uh, be as specific as possible with this. For example, if you're growing, you, say you want to grow cucumbers, Right. Well, do you want to grow pickling cucumbers, like those little small ones, right? Or do you want to grow slicing cucumbers, the ones that you're going to slice up and put in a salad or or make cucumber sticks or whatever you're going to do with them, right? When you're growing tomatoes, do you want to grow cherry tomatoes or do you want to grow the beefsteak tomatoes? Or maybe you want to grow both. But be specific and that will be helpful later on when you start, um, when you actually are trying to figure out what variety to grow. Um, so be as specific and create a list and then the next step after you create that list is to choose the specific variety that you're going to grow of that uh, type of crop so for example, if you pull up a catalog whether it's online or if you, put up, if you grab a seed catalog and you start flipping through it if you move to the tomato section you're soon going to find out that there's like 50 or 100 different varieties of tomatoes right? Well, how do you choose what tomato you should be growing out of those 100 varieties? I'm going to give you some simple tips that may help narrow it down a little bit for you. Plus, um, we also at that same link, we're going to we're giving you what we call our ultimate garden cheat sheet that includes links out to some of our favorite varieties. So if you just don't want to go through, or if you feel overwhelmed and you just want to try growing one of our favorite varieties, that would be a simple way to make that decision a little bit easier as well. And I'm going to jump off here and show you as well, since it comes in basically at this time in the in the process. We are also giving you at that same link, so there's there's actually quite a bit of resources there. Um, what we call our Garden Planning Worksheet. This is something that you can download and can be helpful just in going through the process of planning your garden. So um, let me zoom in here. What you're going to find here is a sheet where on the left-hand side here, you'll see there's a list where you can, this is where you can make that, write out that list of crops that you want to grow, right? So you just fill fill it in, going down on the left-hand side here, I want to grow corn, I want to grow cabbage, I want to grow uh, slicing cucumbers and beefsteak tomatoes, etc. Write it down there. Then when you, when you come to picking the variety, uh, there's a column here where you can write in that specific variety that you want to grow for that crop. The next column over, and we're going to talk about this in a minute here, is where are you going to purchase the seeds for that? What seed company are you going to do it? You could write that in here. So as long as you go through this process of filling out this worksheet, when you come to the end, you should be able to go to the, maybe you have one or two seed companies, and just go through your list and find out, okay, these are the seeds that I'm going to order from them, or these are the seeds I'm going to order from this other company, Um, I will talk about the last section of this worksheet a little bit later. Um, so yeah, you can, That once again, that worksheet is on that same link, borntogrow.net forward slash adagra, A-D-A-G-R-A. So the next question is, there, what about different types of seeds, right? So you have, you've written your list of what you want to grow, and... We'll talk about choosing specific varieties in a second. But when it comes to choosing specific varieties, one of the first things is that there are different, how many of you have heard of the different types of seeds? Like heirloom seeds, hybrid seeds, GMO seeds, right? Who knows the difference between all of those? Okay, we've got got a couple, yeah, or kind of iffy, iffy. All right, so let's go through them real quick. Good seeds and good soil really are kind of like the two pillars of a successful garden. If you don't have good seeds, then you're going to struggle in your garden. If you don't have good soil, you're going to really struggle in your garden, right? Um, Without high quality seed, all other activities are moot. That's from Elliot Coleman from the New Organic Gardener. So what about these different types of seeds? GMO seeds, hybrid seeds, um, open pollinated seeds, Let's go over their definitions real quick because these are, this is what you're going to encounter when you open up those seed catalogs. You're going to hear the, the, you know, it's going to say this is an heirloom seed or this is a hybrid F1 variety. You know, what, do you, what does that mean, um, especially when it comes to growing in your garden? Let's start out with GMO seeds real quick. GMO seeds is where they actually genetically modify the genes of the plant and an extreme example of this is when they take genes from... Okay, believe it or not, they have taken genes from spiders and genetically modified them into the glands of goats, udders, so that when you milk the goat, it will milk s- silk, like like spider silk web, with, it, with the milk. So it's like a total cross between species, like... Uh, a spider and a goat, they, they, they're not in the same species, right? So it's taking um, nature and taking genes from one entire species and blending them with another. Now, that's an extreme example, right? But when it comes to the garden, for example, in, in, in agriculture, they genetically modify certain crops. For example, um, corn is often genetically modified, And what they do is they take genes from a soil-borne bacteria, Bacillus thuringiensis. It's called BT. And they insert it into the corn so that when the corn worm eats the corn, it kills it. Now, what do you think that does if you eat the corn? You know, frankly, there's a lot of health concerns. There's a lot of environmental concerns when it comes to GMO um, crops. Here's the good news for us as home gardeners. Number one is that these crops are widely, um, what what would you call it? They're, They're strongly controlled because they are owned and patented by companies. So those companies sell them to farmers who have specific contracts with the company. So when you just go to the garden center store, you cannot just readily go and buy GMO seeds. So um, that's that's good news in that you can not, it's fairly easy to not grow GMO seeds in your garden. That being said, we do highly encourage finding seed companies, and we'll give you some of our favorite seed companies that take what's called a safe seed pledge. And basically what that means is they pledge that they will not knowingly sell any seed that has, That is genetically modified, and as far as I know, they actually um, do their best to make sure that their the seeds that they buy have not cross-pollinated with genetically modified seeds, because genetically modified plants can cross-pollinate with regular plants and pass those genes on. So, so I'll give you some of our favorite seed companies here in just a second. But that is that is the nuts. That's in a nutshell what GMO seeds are. Hybrid seeds. Anybody want to give a, give a guess on a hybrid seed, what it is? I guess I just put it up on the screen. Yeah. I think a hybrid seed isn't wheat seed. Wheat is often hybridized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tomatoes. Yeah, tomatoes are often hybridized. What's your name? Dan. Yeah. Tomatoes are often hybridized. Um, so... Hybrid seeds basically are... Think of this. When you cross a golden retriever and a poodle, what do you get? A golden doodle, right? That's a hybrid. And it's a natural occurrence in nature that happens um, when you cross, you know, two of the same species. And so it's the same thing in nature when farmers cross a certain type of tomato with another type of tomato. They're going to get some of the traits of both of those in the offspring, right? Right. What happens, though, if you cross... What happens if you breed a golden doodle with a golden doodle? Does anybody know what happens? Do you get golden doodles? Someone's shaking their head. What happens is part of those puppies will look more like a golden retriever, and some of those puppies will look more like a poodle um, because it's a gene mix, right? And the way that people get pure breeds of dogs is they have to keep breeding back, breeding back, breeding back until they get a, a breed strain that holds true when it breeds over and over. Does that make sense? So, hybrids are at that initial stage of of breeding. And it's the off, offspring or cross like it says here between two or more varieties usually of the same species. So, basically the key thing to note here is that if you save your seed from a hybrid plant and you try planting it the next year, it's not going to give you the not necessarily going to give you the same Type of tomato that you originally planted, it will go back to kind of one of the, closer to one of the parent varieties most often. Um, so that's the main thing to consider with hybrid seeds. Um, they're not evil. You know, some people might get them confused with genetically modified seeds. They're not evil. We we grow hybrids from time to time. Um, we actually grew hybrids quite a bit um, when we were commercially farming but we're moving a little bit more to growing heirloom seeds and open-pollinated seeds, which is what we'll talk about here next. So <clears throat> open-pollinated seeds are a non-hybrid variety, and it's one that reproduces true-to-kind. So you can save that seed, and you'll always get the same tomato back when you, when you grow it the next time. An heirloom is an open-pollinated variety that basically has just been around for a very long time. They're really—heirloom and open-pollinated are somewhat— I mean, they're somewhat the same. Heirloom just means that it's been around for a very long time, basically. So, as I mentioned, GMO seeds have some serious health and environmental concerns that continue to mount. Hybrid seeds are not necessarily evil. In fact, you and I are hybrids, in a sense. Yeah. Hybrid seeds can have added vigor, uniformity, and disease resistance. That's some benefits that they can have sometimes because they will, people will breed a disease-resistant tomato that maybe has small tomatoes with a larger beefsteak-type tomato so that they can get a disease-resistant larger beefsteak-sized tomato. Does that make sense? So that can be some of the benefits of growing hybrids. Of course, you have to kind of cross that with whether or not you want to save those seeds. Um, Hybrids will not reproduce true to type. And there is some evidence that nutritional content may be superior in open pollinated varieties. So, you know, I don't know to what extent. Um, I can't say for sure, but um, there is some, some evidence of that. If you want to save your own seed, you need to use open pollinated seed. That's the bottom line. Saving seed is unique. How many of you are interested in saving seed? All right. Yes. Yeah. We are. We are really interested in saving seed too. And so this last year, we bought a whole lot of heirloom seeds because for many years we have really focused on the the growing of plants, right? And while when we were commercially farming, you know, selling our produce, but uh, recently we've been a lot more interested in hey, we want to start saving our seed and. Um, saving seed is unique to different plants. Um, it would be best to have a good book or a resource to guide you. And one that is really good, if you want to write this down, is Seed to Seed. It's a book. Seed to Seed, and it's an excellent resource on saving seeds. Uh, it just covers a whole the whole spectrum of how to save seeds for different. Because saving seeds for one crop can have a different process from saving seeds from another crop. That's that's the reason why you um, you want to. It's not necessarily that complicated, especially for... Some crops are a little more complicated than others. Um, but, it, like I said, it's, it's good to have a little resource that gives you a good start on how to do that. All right, so let's talk about seed companies. Here are a few of our favorites. Johnny Selected Seeds uh, is located in Maine. I'm going to give you the location, so if you want to look for seed companies that are closer to where you are... Um, that can, that can be beneficial. Number one, just in in probably cheaper shipping, but also, seed companies that are closer to your area will often sell seeds that are more um, tailored to your growing area. So, for example, in the southeast, when we buy, if we now we often buy seeds from Johnny's Selected Seeds, which is in the in the northeast. But um, sometimes we will want to find a variety that is disease resistant to southeastern diseases like, like late blights and mildews and stuff that tend to be in more of the hot, humid southeast uh, environment. So um, that's something to, to consider. Second one here is high mowing seeds. High mowing is actually an organic seed company. All of their seeds that they sell are organic. They are based in Vermont. Vermont. Bakers Creek Heirloom Seeds in Missouri, all of their seeds are heirloom or open pollinated, so they're an excellent source if you want to save your own seed. Now, uh, now, when, you know, when I mentioned that this one is organic, this one is heirloom, you know, Johnny's sells organic seeds as well. They just have both. And uh, Johnny's and high mowing seeds will have open pollinated varieties. You just have to, you know, find them. I'm just... Just mentioning that some of these seed companies specialize only in one, one type. Southern Exposure is based in Virginia. So if you live in the southeast, that's a great one to look for um, southern disease-resistant varieties, um, Southern Exposure. Territorial Seeds is based out of Oregon, and Peaceful Valley is based out of California. These are all excellent seed companies uh, to, to look for. All right. And by the way, I will have these slides. It's actually the version from, from earlier, but it's this, this mostly the same presentation. So this slide will be available for download at that same link. Um, so you can have that as a resource. As I mentioned earlier, when looking for seed companies, we suggest looking for what we call the Safe Seed Pledge. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. read through the whole thing. Basically, it just says that they stay away from GMO seeds. All right. So, step number one, part number one, is choosing what you're going to grow, right? Choosing that variety that you're going to grow and finding the seed companies that you're going to order those seeds from. And here's a few quick tips on choosing varieties. Number one is, do you want to save your seeds? If you want to save your seeds, then that's going to narrow down your choice of variety, right? You're going to be looking for those open pollinated or heirloom seeds, we encourage you to pick a seed company or two. I gave you six. I don't encourage you to just go out and look through all six companies. That can be overwhelming. So I encourage you to pick one or two, maybe the ones that are a little bit closer to your location, and start with them and start looking for seed varieties with them. As you get, I'm talking especially for new gardeners that are just getting started gardening, right? Um, as you get more experienced, you may want to start branching out and looking at other seed companies and stuff like that. But if you want it, um, these are tips to keep it less overwhelming. Hopefully, um, order a catalog, or you can look online. Most of these seed companies, their catalogs are free, and they'll just ship them to you. Or they all have online stores as well, so it's pretty easy to look at what they have available online. Another tip is to ask your local farmers. You know, go get get to know you. Find a local farmers market in your area, right? And go. Just chat with, the, with your local organic farmer that's selling his produce at the market and say, hey, what's your favorite variety of tomatoes? What's your favorite variety of cucumbers? They're going to have a lot more experience and uh, they can give you some really good ideas to start, start growing. Another thing you can do is watch for reviews. Often on some of these seed catalogs, uh, companies online, they have the star rating reviews where people can leave a review on the different varieties and that can be a nice way to find one that's good to grow. Or, as I mentioned, we're giving you that um, cheat sheet that has some of our favorite varieties that you could just jump in and use those. All right, so part number two is choosing where to grow. Once you have this list of what you're going to grow in your garden, now comes the step of choosing where are you going to grow it. How are you going to map out that space, your garden space? A couple tips with your garden space is look for areas that get the most sun in your area around your house, you know, where you have available to grow. What areas get the most sun? Most crops do best with six to eight hours of full sun. South facing slopes will stay warmer in the winter. Um, That's here in the Northern Hemisphere. Or I should say the south side of your house. So, you know, if this is, you know, your home gardening and you're finding a space in your backyard, in general, the south face of your house, the south side of your house is going to stay warmer and get more sun. Um, So that's something to keep in mind when you're finding a good place to put your garden. In hot zones like southern Florida... Do we have anyone here from Florida? Hey, all right, yeah. So in southern Florida, you may actually want to go a little bit to the reverse. You may want to find a space maybe on your northern side even for some of the cool weather crops because you want to keep them cooler. Um, So, you know, context is something that plays into into finding where you're going to put your garden in this case as well. There are certain crops that do better in the shade. So if you don't have spaces with a lot of sun, um, there are certain veggies that do well in the, better in the shade. And those are mainly your leaves and root veggies. So beets, carrots, garlic, potatoes, radishes, onions, those are root, root veggies, right? Those do a little better in the shade. Also, Asian greens, Broccoli, cabbage, collards, kale, lettuce, spinach, Swiss chard, etc. Those leafy greens that you eat, the leaves, those will also do a little better in the shade. Alright, so the next step is once you find your garden space is to map your garden space out with a pen and paper. Lay out your garden beds. And we suggest doing 30 inch wide beds. If you're going to make beds in the ground, um, that's, that's our suggested spacing there are some advantages for it. It's, it's easy to step or reach across. You don't end up feeling like you're going to fall into your bed when you're reaching in to, trying to reach the middle of it. Um, there are many tools that are made for them. And we suggest doing 12 to 18-inch aisles. If you have the space, I would probably lean towards the 18-inch aisle. Otherwise, 12 inches can be a little bit narrow for walking in between your beds. Now... This is simply a suggestion. You can make your beds larger. You can make them smaller. If you're doing raised beds, often a standard size is 4 by 8 for a raised bed. You know, those work well as well. So there's many different ways that you can do this. The main thing is you do want to map out that garden space because then you're going to draw out where you're going to plant each of your individual plants. Here is an example, what we call our plug-and-play garden calendar. Um, We... So this is actually available for download as well. We want to give you a bunch of resources that can make your gardening easy. So if you want a plug-and-play garden plan, you can take this, and we've had students that just took this and grew this garden plan. Um, This is a garden plan that we used to grow over $1,000 worth of food. We kept track of how much we were able to harvest out of it over a season. Um, That was just over the summer and into the early fall. That didn't include over the winter. We kept harvesting out of it over the winter as well. So this is a simple garden plan. It's 20 feet by 15 feet. It does have... um, In this plan, it has one-foot walkways, but you can make those a little bigger, like I mentioned. And a nice thing about this plan is that it has a built-in crop rotation plan. So when you're planning your garden, you want to make sure that you you know you're thinking about this year but when it comes to gardening it's important to not just think about this year but to think about what do you what about the next year after this year Um, the reason why is crop rotation is important for keeping a healthy soil in your garden if you grow the same plant in the same space year after year if you grow tomatoes in the same space year after year it will deplete the soil in ways see different different crops uh, plants give and take from the soil in different ways there are some that are heavy feeders they they feed more heavily on the soil there's some that are lighter feeders there's some that actually give back to the soil like legumes will actually give nitrogen back to the soil make it available for uh, future plants Also, rotating your crops, not growing them in the same place every single year, can be helpful with insect and disease control. Oftentimes diseases will be like a soil borne disease and um, that is, that can be helpful in because the disease is often tied to the type of crop. So, for example, there's like a black rot that gets on brassicas, that's your kale and collards and cabbages, and it's, it's tied mainly just to that specific family of crops. You can grow tomatoes there and it won't affect it, right? So if you can move your brassicas somewhere else until that black rot dies off in the soil, then you can bring them back and you can grow them and they'll be healthy and that disease will not be there anymore. All right. And I already mentioned that legumes can give nitrogen back. So this... This uh, plug-and-play garden plan that I just showed you there, this includes a simple crop rotation plan. And here's, here's how it works. So when you are splitting up your crops, you want to split them up by family. And uh, once again, you, you'll have this slide available for download. So you can, you can take this and use it when you're planting your garden. So you'll notice on the left-hand side, we have legumes. Those are the ones that give nitrogen back into the soil, Right. And that's the family of legumes. That's beans, green beans, peas, peanuts, um, some cover crops are legumes as well. Then the next section is roots. Those are like your carrots, turnips, onions, radishes, beets. And we've included herbs in that category as well. Those are your carrot, onion, um, coal or brassica families and goosefoot families. All in that section. The third one is your fruits and grains. That it will be your tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, cucumbers, squash, corn is as an example, grain, right? Potatoes. And those families include your nightshades, your melons and squash, and grasses. And then the fourth one is your leaves and flowers. So that would be your salad, greens, lettuce, spinach, cabbage, kale, broccoli, cauliflower. And the families there are sunflower, coal, or brassicas, and goosefoot. So the way that this crop rotation works is, I'm just gonna jump up here. So on year number one, you're gonna grow your legumes here and your roots here, right? On year number two, your legumes are gonna move to where your roots were planted last year. Your roots are gonna be planted where your fruits and grains were last year. Your leaves and flowers are gonna be planted where? Where your legumes were. Here's kind of the cool thing. Your leaves and flowers do really good with extra nitrogen. That really makes their leaves really nice. Um, your fruits, if they have too much nitrogen, it can actually make your fruit small. Because um, the plant puts a lot of energy into the leaves. Well, you want the plant to put energy into the leaves of your leaves and flowers over here. Um, especially your leaves, like here. So having them follow the legumes is a great idea because these legumes just fixed more nitrogen into your soil, right? So that's just a simple example of how a crop rotation can, can help benefit benefit your garden. So once again, here is that simple garden plan um, split up into those sections and you can just rotate through them like that. So that's something that you can easily take and implement into your garden. And you're, you're welcome to just copy it and grow it just like this, or you can swap one crop out for something else that you want to grow instead, right, that's in a similar family. Um, so choosing where to grow each crop. When it comes down to choosing where to grow each crop, um, if you're going to use this simple crop rotation plan, what I suggest doing is just splitting your garden area into four sections, right? Right? and then plan your crops based on those four kinds in that crop rotation plan and and fill up those four sections of your garden then you'll have that simple four step crop rotation plan for your garden. The question is, what if they don't fit? This is, now this next step is a little bit more advanced, right, so if you just wanna keep it real simple and not worry about it, just use those four, four sections, right? If you want to, um, I'm going to give you an example here. Let's say with fruits and grains here, let's say you want to grow more corn. Because corn takes up a little bit more space, right? So let's say you want to grow more corn and it's not going to fit in that, that one section. So what I would encourage you to do, corn is a grass. grass. Um, and you can easily Google any of these crops, and it will tell you what family they're in. Corn is a grass, so what I would do is I would create a fifth section, and let's say you grew corn in the fifth section, and your tomatoes and peppers and everything in this in this in this one here. So those would be your nightshades, your melons and squash. You would move your grasses to another section, and then you would have a five-year crop rotation plan. Does that make sense? And you're still not growing the same family in the same space year after year. Did you guys follow that? I know it's a little bit more complicated than just the four. Um, Unfortunately, I don't have time to go more in depth into it. Um, But once again, if you want to just keep it simple, you can just keep it to these four sections right here. All right. So The next step is once you've decided what you're going to grow, you've mapped it out, right? You've chosen your varieties. The next step is ordering your seeds. So go through your crop list and make a seed order for the varieties you picked. Order the amount of seed based on how much you want to grow. Uh, A nice little tip here is that seed is pretty cheap. So it's always better to have extra seed than to run out of seed. So I always encourage airing a little bit on the side of extra seed. I'm going to jump back over to our garden planning worksheet here. All right, um, I appreciate the question, and I'm going to try and save some time for questions at the end. Um, the reason is that they're recording this, and they just want to. They asked us if we could save the questions to the end for the recording. That'd be fantastic. So, but don't forget it. I really want to. I want to answer it in this um, worksheet here. You'll notice like we talked about earlier, you have your crop list, variety, the source, where you're you're going to order them from. Um, You can, this is a little bit more advanced, the weekly amount. That would be if you're trying to calculate, you know, how much you want to harvest from your garden of that specific crop. It's a little bit more advanced column. You can skip it. Um, And then we have when and where. These are just simple little boxes that As you plan your garden out, once you've figured out and mapped in where you're going to put your tomatoes, you can just come and put a little check mark there. Um, And then when you figure out where you're going to put your collards or your kale, you just check those boxes off, and it can just keep you on track through the process of planning your garden. Does that make sense? All right. Fantastic. Excellent. All right, so... Part number one, who remembers what was the first step? Choosing what you're going to grow, right? And section part number two. Part yes, mapping out your garden space. Number three is timing and when to grow it. And I mentioned that we have what we call our little perpetual harvest hack. So gardening is full of decisions, um, you might have you might have picked up on that and you know it's choosing what to grow choosing where to grow it and there's all of these decisions that you make uh, of gardening and one of our goals as educators to home gardeners is how can we make these decisions as simple as possible for people so they don't get overwhelmed right so it's the simple art of knowing what to do that's having your plan that's part of what you we were just talking about choosing what to grow uh, choosing where to grow it that's part of your plan for your garden right what to do, how to do it. Those are the actual actions in your garden. Unfortunately, in the scope of our one hour together, we don't have time to go through all of the how-tos of transplanting, etc. your actions. And number three is doing it at the right time. And this is timing, and this is what we're going to be talking about a little bit more right now. If you can have all three of these in one space, like let's say if you wake up in the morning... And you can have one place that you can go, and it will tell you exactly what to do and how to do it for that day. That's the timing, right? Today is the timing. It makes gardening way, way, way easier. You guys, you guys follow that? Um, otherwise, you wake up and you're trying to figure out, am I supposed to be planting my tomatoes now? Should I be, you know, is it too late to plant kale for the fall? Like, am I going to, am I going to miss out? Is it not going to grow enough to be ready for the, for a winter harvest or, or all of that? So timing is extremely critical when it comes to nature. Nature is unforgiving when it comes to timing. Like if you think that, um, if you think that God is laid back and doesn't have deadlines, then maybe you need to spend a little bit more time in nature because there are hard and fast deadlines in nature. There are ways that you can kind of you can kind of buffer that with protecting your veggies and stuff like that when it comes to early spring, late fall, etc. But there wi- there comes a time where, you know, plants will not grow anymore or, you know, of course it depends on where you live and your growing zone. So, quick little run through of these three sections. What to do is kind of what we were just talking about, you know, the list of crops that you're going to grow, seeding, transplanting, cultivating, watering, trellising, um, succession planting. Remember I talked about, I asked earlier, you know, how many of you would like to have a, that continual of harvest where every week you had something fresh out of your garden you could put on your table. That's kind of the dream. That's, that's, that's what would be awesome. Um, the, and that's what we call succession or leapfrog planting. And basically, in a nutshell, the way you can do that is if you go out to your garden and you harvest a head of lettuce, what if you had a four-week-old transplant that was ready to plant in its place, right? And then immediately that garden space is continuing... Um, to be used wisely and efficiently so that you can have that continual harvest because you plant, you plant that transplant in and a month later it's ready to harvest. And if you have that system with all of your crops, you know, with lettuce you could actually, um, I know we talked about crop rotation. We, the crop rotation we mainly talk about on a yearly basis. So you could grow multiple heads of lettuce in the same spot in one year So you can have a transplant of lettuce that's ready to go in as soon as you harvest that first one. Um, Or it can go between crops. For example, peas grow in the spring. Green beans grow in the summer. So as soon as your peas are done harvesting, you pull them out and immediately plant green beans in. And you've got that space continually used in your garden. And it's going to bring in that continual harvest. Now, succession planting or leapfrog planting really has a lot to do with timing. Um, You might... Kind of pick up on that right because you've got to time those crops so that they're ready to go in right after each other um, it can be a little bit complex you've got to figure out when to plant your first crop how long that crop is going to be before it's harvested how long of a harvest window you can expect from it are you going to be harvesting those green beans for two weeks is it going to give are you going to harvest them for three weeks like how long is it going to give you a harvest? And then when to plant the second succession or leapfrog crop so that it is ready to go when the first one is harvested. Plus figure out how long in the season that crop can be grown in the first place. Because, for example, um, beets or carrots, they are a spring crop and you're only going to be able to grow them effectively so long into the summer. And then they're just not going to grow so well and it would be better to put some other summer crop in where they were. Does that make sense? You follow? And then you want to repeat that for each crop because every single different crop is different. So as you can see, um, does it sound a little bit overwhelming? There's, there, there are multiple different things that you have to try and figure out for each crop to make that, those succession plantings work. Um, here's the interesting thing is it really doesn't take that much extra work in the garden to start another seed, Right. It doesn't take that much extra work to transplant that seed into your garden or to keep it watered. Yes, it does take some effort, but it's not that much extra work. One of the, the real key and where it gets more complicated and difficult is when it comes into figuring out the timing of it all and being able to stay on track and know what you should be doing each week without just it all becoming a big, overwhelming, complicated mess, Right. And so that is one of the reasons why we are excited about what we call our perpetual harvest hack, which I'll show you in just a second. Um, the second section, like I mentioned, you know, you have what to do, you have how to do it in your garden. We don't have time to go into detail uh, into each of these, but uh, that includes you know, how do you start your seeds, how do you transplant, how do you cultivate, how do you build healthy soil or trellis your plants or extend your season without breaking your pocketbook. And then the third part, um, which we're focusing on right now, is when to do it, Uh, the timing in your garden, the timing of when to seed, when to seed those succession plantings, when to transplant, when to harvest. And here's the real key. Um, If you can take your garden plan and put it into a calendar, create a planting calendar for yourself, it will make it so much easier for you Throughout your gardening season to stay on track and to not be overwhelmed by trying to figure out what to do um, in fact if you can take that planting calendar and create a weekly checklist that you can just go out to your garden and it will tell you what to do in your garden for that week and you can just check it off um, how many of you think that would make it a lot easier for you in your garden uh, I, I, can, I, can to it, I can attest that it, does, it makes it a whole lot easier going through your garden, especially if you're trying to do a succession planting garden where you have that continual harvest out of your garden. So how can you create your own planting schedule in just minutes? Because this can be uh, quite a job. And there are... Um, There are tools that you can go out. I'm going to share with you a couple ways that you can do this. One is you can go, and there are multiple tools online. One of them is Johnny's Seeds Spring and Fall Planting Calculators. Basically, what these are is they are a spreadsheet, and you put in what your average last frost date is for your area, or in the fall it would be your average first frost date, and it will automatically calculate and tell you, okay, this is when you should be planting your tomatoes or this is when you should be seeding your cucumbers, etc. cetera. Um, there's a couple... Um, so you can do this. Um, it is a little bit more of a manual task because you go calculate it and then you've got to transfer that over to your calendar. Another thing is that it doesn't automatically tell you succession planting spacings or how long that plant can grow in that, you know, what its growing season is, et cetera, like that. So it is limited to a certain extent, and it is a little bit more time consuming when you actually go to um, plan it out. There is another app called the Edge Garden Planning app. This one is a little bit more of a visual garden planning app. You can plan your garden visually um, it also will kind of give you an idea of when to plant it. Um, it. When I jumped in, I felt like it was a little bit a little bit complicated. I felt like it had a little bit of a a longer learning curve and I didn't we didn't end up using it just because I didn't feel like it it was that easy to use still still quite a bit of work um, so as we have been teaching gardeners over the years we we came up with the idea what if we could put together something that would make it extremely simple for gardeners to plan their garden and have everything right on their fingertips and have a weekly checklist of what to do in fact um it was kind of the background story to it is my dad my dad edwin and i teach a lot together and we promised our students that we would create weekly checklists for them of what they should do in their garden based on their location. And it was kind of a bit of a rash promise because (laughs) it's it's a lot bigger task than you might think. You know, for everybody lives in a different location, right? So we, after we'd promised this, we were like, okay, well, now we have to do it. A promise is a promise. So we went uh, and we started searching. We searched all through different types of resources and stuff and really nothing really made it that much easier for us to do this for them. So after a lot of research we ended up finding a way that we could take our... My dad created, like, this massive gardening spreadsheet uh, for all these different crops. And we found a way that we could take that gardening spreadsheet and put it into a click-and-drop gardening calendar that our users could just click on the crop they wanted to grow. It would drop it into their calendar and tell them when to seed it, when to transplant it, expected harvest time, etc. And... um, Would you be interested in in seeing that real quick? Okay. So we call it... So we came up with these original gardening calendars. Now the problem was with these original gardening calendars they were a little bit... um, we, We included succession plantings, but they were not customizable. People couldn't move crop planting schedules to exactly where they wanted. You kind of had to use what was already inputted there. And so... Um, This year, we were really excited because we were able to start the development of our own garden planning app from the ground up. So we are actually currently developing what we call um, Seed Time, which is a garden planning app where you can do the same thing, but it's a lot more customizable. You can move plantings around, you can tailor it just to what you want, etc. And honestly, when we first... When we first introduced our first planting calendars to our gardening members, they this is just a few screenshots from the chat, they just went crazy. They thought, it, I to be honest with you, I've never seen gardeners so excited about something in my life than when we launched these calendars. Um, and as they have continued to use them, we've had really, really fantastic feedback from them. I'm not going to go ahead and read all of these, these are just a couple testimonials from people, um, but I'm going to jump jump over here and in the last few minutes pull up, pull up a calendar. So this is what our Seatime app looks like at the moment. It is currently in development and you'll notice here on the left hand side we have, you'll get a calendar based on your location. You put in your last, last and first frost dates. It, it also bases that off of your latitude etc. On the left hand side you'll see this is your list of crops that you want to grow. Uh, You can add a crop, so you just click on this button and we will have many default crops that you can put in right here. Um, You can also input a new crop if you wanted to, so it's extremely flexible, so if there's something that's not in the calendar that you want to grow, you can put that in. Uh, Just put in the, the planting information for it, you can set a color for it and add it in. Once you add a crop, you can then simply click on the crop and it will drop it into your calendar telling you when to seed it, giving you a a reminder to prepare the garden space for it, to prepare your bed, when to transplant it, an expected harvest time. Um, We will also have some cultivation reminders in there. And we're planning to include an option for you to put in custom tasks for the crop if you want to put in something, a custom task that you want to include. So... Um, Ultimately, it makes planning the garden extremely simple because you can simply come down and um, click or add any of the crops that you want to grow. It drops them into your calendar with all of those uh, filled out. Then once you drop them into the calendar, you can view your whole calendar at a glance like this, Um, your calendar year. Or you can come over and view your calendar in a timeline view. So you can just see those crop planting schedules um, across in a timeline. So for example, with carrots here, this is my carrots. If I want to make those, we're going to have automatic succession planting. So when you add a new crop um, under carrots, it'll tell you, do you want to add it as a succession crop planting? You click yes, and it will automatically add it as a succession crop, which means that it the second crop will start harvesting when the first crop is ending harvesting. Expected time for that crop. Does that make sense? Um, We will have that, like, for example, down here with these lettuce ones as well. These are suggested succession plantings. And I'm just going to zoom in here so you can see, you know, this is the harvest time for this lettuce. And then the next one starts harvesting right after it. And the next one starts harvesting right after it. Now, like I said, it's customizable, so you can move them around to wherever you want them. Um, The other thing is that... um, I forget what I was going to say there. It might come back to me. Another thing is that you will be able to easily filter down by the tasks. So if you only want to, for example, see what needs to be seeded coming up, um, this can be helpful for creating those seed orders, making sure you have the seeds on time for what you want. Or if you want to instead... Just see when things are going to be harvested. This can be helpful as if you're planning a vacation or if you travel a lot. You can make sure that your plants are ready to harvest at the right time so it's not conflicting with that vacation or that harvest time. If you need to move it, you can simply move it over and that will move that crop planting schedule and set you up. Here's what I was going to say before. We are also including um, where when you... uh, It's not implemented right at the moment but when you move that crop planting schedule we're going to automatically give you a visual maybe like slightly gray out the calendar for the 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 season that that crop would be best grown in so that So it'll give you a little warning if you're trying to push it too far into the summer, if you're trying to push it too early. We're not going to make it hard and fast. We're going to give you the flexibility where you can move it beyond if you want to, but it'll give you that little warning that, hey, this might not grow as well later on into the summer, etc. So um, this helps with, number one, what to do, right? And when to do it in your calendar, Um, But we wanted to take it to the next level. So with each of the tasks, we are also including a, if you click on each of the tasks, it'll pop up a box and tell you exactly what to do, how to do it, um, including visual demonstration videos that walk you through the process of how to do that, that task in your garden specific to that crop. So for example, when it comes to, transplanting kale it's going to tell you you know this is our suggested spacing to transplant the kale and here's how you can transplant it successfully so you can avoid transplant shock in your garden so that those plants thrive when they are planted and one more very exciting little thing is that we are including in this um what we call our proprietary winter gardening algorithm so when, you, when it comes to growing in the winter plants growth starts slowing down in the winter right and it happens based on your location it's kind of a factor of temperature and sunlight how much sun there is and temperature and we are building into this an automatic estimated harvest delays based on when you seed for the winter so As a very simple little example, this isn't the actual algorithm at work, but it's an example so you can see, is if I move this over into October, um, okay, the next one, if I move it over, it's going to bump that harvest a little bit later. Do you see that? If I move it over, it'll bump that harvest a little later because it's saying, you know, as you go into the winter, it's going to take a little bit longer for that crop to be ready to mature. And that will help you with a continual harvest through the winter if you're interested in having... Extended seasons are growing through the winter. So, Paul, yeah. Um, does this does this does your system also take into account whether it's in a boot house or whether you have double grow cover? Does it have will it have that as well in it? Yeah, excellent question. Yeah, so we're doing it based on your latitude, your zone. That's like your temperature levels, and whether you have one or two covers, one or two or more covers, and it will adjust for each of those. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 It's exciting. And we are looking right now for people to beta test and use use it. We haven't actually launched this app yet. Um, yeah, Alan Seiler. Yeah. I, I have my eyes on you. I want to get you in. So um, we haven't actually launched this app yet. It's still in development, but we're planning to launch the beta version hopefully within the next um, like the end of this month, sometime next month. Um, so we're working hard on getting it launched out. If, anyone, if any of you are interested in jumping in and being one of our early beta users, we have a special for you that you can jump in and become one of our early users. Um, just come by and stop at our booth in the booth area sometime during the booth, and um, I can talk over the details with you about that. Um, otherwise, I noticed that looks like our time is up. Um, is there another class in here in 15 minutes? Yes? Okay. Um, Is it okay if we take like one or two questions? All right. Let's just take one or two questions. Uh, I know we don't have a lot of time, and we need to make sure that we get up and out before before the next class, right? So just... cost for the seeds to grow that plan yes um seeds are really inexpensive for that plan you could probably get the seeds um because it's multiple different um multiple different things i would say anywhere between 70 to 150 bucks um and that would be more seed than you needed just to grow that plan it's just that seed comes usually in more than you need yeah yeah yes It can, it can. Um, so you do, in seed, in saving seed, you do need to, and again, you know, the book Seed to Seed is going to help you with this. You need to know certain crops cross-pollinate when they're close together. Certain crops can be close together and not cross-pollinate. Um, so, for example, soybeans, like, they will cross-pollinate if they're like three feet apart and it's only a... chance that they'll cross-pollinate because they're self-pollinating so as long as you have them more than three feet apart like you can be almost 100% sure that they're not going to cross-pollinate um but other other crops are different than that right so so it is specific to the crop and you'll have to find out find that out specific to the crop yeah all right one last question yeah i just wanted to ask is this Yeah. Right. Right. Excellent question. So that is the next phase that we're wanting to build out. As soon as we have the planning section, you know, put in next. Um, the next phase is we're wanting to set up, set it up where it links with your layout. And imagine if you could, with just a slider, slide across your year and it would automatically show you when crops are going to be and where they're going to be and you can see where there's breaks and you need to fill in and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's our, that's our goal for the next next phase of it. This media was brought to you by AudioVerse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about AudioVerse,